Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, all about movies, and today my guests are Claire and Anthony Bueno, and we're going to be talking about a really fascinating documentary called Cleaning Up the Town, Remembering Ghostbusters. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. 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 for having us. Hello from England. <laughs> hello from England, it is. Good Wet, cold, soggy England. <laughs> is it really? Oh, no. It really is, yes. <laughs> oh, we should yeah. send the rain here to California. We need it. We need the rain for sure. Oh, yeah. You send us the sun, we'll send you the rain. It'll okay. Be a nice kind of exchange. That's a deal. All right. <laughs> do it. Oh, I, I have to just tell you, this is the the most fascinating documentary I've seen and it is a, a, tr- a movie for true cinephiles, for people who oh. really want to know about the behind the scenes, about how a movie was made, especially back in 1983, um, which they didn't have the technology that we have today to create this, you know, truly it is a masterpiece. I mean, it is considered one of the best movies ever. Um, Ghostbusters always appears on the top 10 list. So I know that this has been a journey of love for both of you. And it took you what over 12 years uh, to make this documentary. So um, why don't you Anthony, why don't you start of what sparked the idea to, to do this documentary to begin with? I think uh, partial insanity. <laughs> Or mostly naivety. I've quite decided which ones, which one of the major part was. It was we'd, um, I mean, we've both been kind of like doing stuff kind of like film wise. I'd, I'd kind of gone to film school and, and Claire. Yeah, I was uh, doing a red carpet reporting, wasn't I? Yeah, so it was, yeah. um, and we worked on, um, on a docket about American wealth in London. So, and I, the one thing I always quite liked was the DVD as it was back then, DVD special features. And so, God, what a cool thing to do. To, like, that'd be amazing. Do and do all those kind of things. Then didn't actually think we'd kind of get that far. And, and just through the, like the process of doing the werewolf thing and being a part of that, which is like, this is really good fun. You know, you get to talk to the filmmakers and you, you can really get into how these things were done back then. And everything's, every film's kind of different. Right. And, and it was just a case of just saying to Claire, should, should we do one on Ghostbusters? Cause it was just my favorite film. So that very easy decision at that point in time was where it all started. We were just sort of like, yeah, let's give let's it a go and, it. and see what happens. So, and I, I, We'd interviewed John Landis, and then I'd sort of like thought, if I get a chance, I'll ask him if we can, if we can get Dan Aykroyd. Because if we can get Dan Aykroyd, we know we've got a film. And I asked him, and he goes, oh, sure, I can get you, Danny. And that, and that was that was it. It was just like, right, that's it, off we go. And, and then we just did our best to kind of get interviews, and it just, yeah, you know, 12 years later, we finally got there. <laughs> but, uh, I admire your tenacity and not giving up because that's what this business is about, you know, following your dreams. And, you know, you hear even really well-known uh, filmmakers, you know, like a Spielberg, and he'll it'll take years for him sometimes to get a project off the ground. And you're always surprised to hear that because you think, oh, well, he can get anything done, right? Uh, so when you're just sort of starting out in your career and able to do that, Claire, how did how did you get involved? How did he Shanghai you into this project? <laughs> <laughs> Shanghai is a very good word. <laughs> he knew how to talk around his uh, talk his big sister around. Um, but yeah, but basically, I was you know uh, and still you know interview film talent either on the red carpet or one to one interviews, and I absolutely love interviewing um, and having that interaction with people. Um, so for me, it was this opportunity to put kind of both of our skills together. Mine, you know, doing the in front 
though I'm not in front of camera in the documentary, but those kind of in front of camera skills. Um, Anthony is a filmmaker and an editor um, and putting them together. And, and he just said, should we just give it a go? And, and I'm kind of one of these people kind of like, who, he who dares wins. You know, I, I mean, we didn't sort of anticipate that it would take us 12 years. But, um, you know, we we set off on a kind of maybe naive endeavour to in the beginning to self-finance the film, to retain creative control. So, you know, there was a... a and I, and I, I'm glad that we did that, um, you know, for sure. Um, but it certainly made for an additional complication because obviously we're living in the UK and everybody's in the United States. So it was a case of kind of working, saving our money and then going out to, to film. But um, for, for me, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm somebody that wants to sit in their chair when they're 90 and say, I've lived life. And mm. I think that this documentary... And it, and sure enough, it has become that that I can sit back and go, you know, I lived life, and we've got this beautiful film that we're very proud of to to show for it, really. Oh, yeah. well, you know, you should be very proud of it, and and I agree with you. That's exactly my philosophy. I didn't want to be in my rocking chair when I was ninety, going, <laughs> I wish I coulda, shoulda. You yes. know, why didn't I do that? <laughs> you know, go for your dream, exactly. go for. It. And I have to tell you, Clara, I was, I am a little intimidated. <laughs> Because you <laughs> you have been on the red carpet and you have interviewed a lot of famous people, and uh, you have your own show too. So I was like, oh gosh, <laughs> I hope I, I hope I can I hope I can ask good questions. <laughs> Thank you. So far, so far, so good. We're only a few minutes so far, in. So good. Yeah. <laughs> We're only a few minutes in. Give it, give it a shot. <laughs> so, who, who was your first interview? Who did you? I mean, you, you, you said you could get Dan Aykroyd, but I could tell that story. How long did it take you to actually get him after you got Lan- John Landis, who is wonderful, to say, "Oh, yeah, I can get you, Dan." <laughs> How long did it take you to get Dan? <laughs> Yeah, young young Mr. Ackroyd took four years to four finally get him to, uh, and a bottle of vodka. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's who, all? Uh, that, was, that wasn't lynching him and shoving it down his neck to agree to do it. Listen up. Waterboarding <laughs> with vodka. <laughs> It's quite expensive. Um, it's cheap stuff for that. Um, no, that was it. We, we, yeah, I mean, it took four years. And again, logistics most of the time. Every time yeah. we were over, he was somewhere else. He was he was promoting the vodka and he was doing a wine at the time as well. So that was that was all kind of like going on. And then um, then he was over here promoting mm-hmm. it. And we were just like, well, let's just, we'll go and we'll get a bottle. It was Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah, this is a fun um, story. Oh, what year was it? it oh, oh 2016? No. 2015 no, 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 then? No, 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 it was well No, earlier, well no. before that, was it? Oh, I don't know. 2012? I honestly, I'm, I'm useless with Maybe dates. it was 2012. Yeah, it must have been 2012. February, yeah, February 14th, 2012. So, um, and he was there and, and then we finally kind of got in and we knew the security because of the red carpet stuff that we were doing because there was like saying one person per bottle. It's like, well, you have not got the money for two bottles of Crystalade <laughs> vodka. That we're not so going to drink. We're never going to drink. So, um, so, but anyway, they're like, no, 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 you can both go in. It's fine. And then he was like, oh, well, is this like a Valentine's? It's like, brother and sister, we're not from Kentucky. So... Um, <laughs> So, but he was really nice. And then he's like, "Have we done that interview?" Really tall, and and, and, about six foot four. Oh, really? 
And when he like when he knew who we were, because she we like properly introduced ourselves, mm-hmm. and and when he was like, oh, the, the documentary. I remember him taking his standing up and taking his sunglasses off, and 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 we just had this chat, and he just like, yeah, we said we must do that. I'm you know like sorry, it hasn't happened now, but when you're going to be in the states next, this thing where over in April, I think we were planning to be over, and he goes, fine, call my assistant, we'll get it sorted out, and then and it'll happen, and that's and that's how it turned out. That's exactly what happened. But it was you know we never knew, and it was always you know if we don't get him, then will we have a film? You know because he. Mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. He is the whole person that's created the whole kind of Ghostbusters franchise now, really. So, um, but it was it was that's just sort of like how it happened. But Ernie was uh, Ernie just happened to be in the UK at a convention, and that just the stars aligned for that one. And and he was yeah. he was amazing. Ernie was fantastic. He's, he was set the bar, didn't he? Really, yeah. really nice man, Ernie Hudson. Oh yes, yeah, and it, it, a great interview with him. And you know, what I, I love that's how honest everybody was about this. You know that they he didn't hold back. You know, Ernie kind of just told you where, you know, about what was going on behind the scenes and what was happening and how he felt. And I, and I, and that's really what's so great about it. You know, this, this show is about bringing the film festival experience into your home. And that is what it's dedicated to, to independent filmmakers and documentarians. But, um, but your film really does go behind the scenes and really brings the whole idea of, you know, what film festivals are about too. When we interview people, uh, you know, on stage at film festivals and talk to them about how they made their film. Well, this is really what you did with this film. And, and I, oh my God, you got, you have so many people in this movie. I mean, you really yeah. attracted a lot of people. So talk a little bit about how, okay, once you, who was the first one was Ernie, but then after that, how did it all begin to fall into place? It, it was quite organic, really, yeah. because we, we, we obviously, you know, we, we reached out to, you know, personal publicists and, and agents and, but for the, for the kind of the, 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 really kind of your Sigourney Weavers and your Harold Ramises, then, you know, they are m- much more difficult to kind of penetrate and get to. And we were fortunate, we'd, we'd interviewed Ivan um, Reitman um, and um, when, we, you know, we put our requests in to interview Harold and Sigourney, then they went and spoke to Ivan and said, you know, we've had this request, are these people genuine? And he, you know, in fairness, gave us the thumbs up. Um, and so we were, you know, we got access to, you know, that kind of high profile um, cast but quite often as well that you know because we're making a film sort of retrospectively you know with, with what then it was sort of 25 years 20 years yeah. ago you know that we were sort of contacting people um, you know some have retired so they're not you know not necessarily on IMDB Pro or but what we found was uh, it was all kind of like part of the organic process which you know documentation and doc- documentary filmmaking is it, you know you'll interview one person and they'll go yeah but have you spoken to so and so and we're like well no we we want to speak to them but we you know we haven't got their contact hang on a minute i'll give you their contact details so you know it, it, it was there was a lot of that going on yeah. as well wasn't it and i think you picked up on something that was really interesting about how kind of candid these people are uh, you know the comparison to when I've done red carpet interviews, where you know these people are kind of very current. You know that they're, they're contractually obliged to you know promote their yeah. film. It's a very different approach than you know when you're speaking to somebody retrospectively about a film that actually catapulted their careers. I mean, from in front yeah, and behind yeah. the camera. You know, and and it was such a successful film. So you know there could be an element of yes, they're telling you exactly as it was, but there's also so, you know, they've got nothing to lose, these people. They've already had their 
careers and so they are a little more um honest um about what they want to say really um you know and so i mean some of the stuff we couldn't even put in the documentary but that's kind of filmmaking you know but it was a lot of it was organic wasn't it yeah really? it really was you know the reason why there's richard and terry in the same yeah. interviews because terry who we couldn't get any kind of contact details for it we, we was in touch with richard, and goes oh terry's gonna be here would you like to yeah well, yeah we'd like to great and there we were and that's how yeah. and they just bounced off each other all the time and they and they were hilarious anyway they were oh really yeah fun. chatting with oh, them like brilliant. four hours i think before we actually got around to do the interview because <laughs> it was, you were jabbing all the time with them but it was and that's and it's a nice thing because there's a lot of people there that don't get a chance to be in front of the camera everyone always wants to talk to the main stars the right. main kind of like right. like director the producer or something like that and it's never sort of like you know you know third person from the left kind of sort of like holding a rod that's holding slimer's arm up or something like that but you know for us it was like every single person has a story to tell and and if you get enough people telling the same story then you can intercut and you can make something more out of that and everyone has a slightly different angle or remembers things slightly differently but it was everyone's opinion is important Mm. so it was what was important for us was every single person that we interviewed is in the documentary and and it's sort of like we interviewed people for ghostbusters too while we were doing the doing all of that so so that they're the only ones that aren't actually in it at this point we'll do a doing a separate documentary all about that but this was a chance for some of those to be seen the because some heroes yeah because some mm-hmm. of them will say like i just if you just use a little bit like Stuart Ziff was one yeah. of them I always remember that if you just use a little bit of the interview it'd be great because i sometimes get interviewed and they never use my stuff and i'm just like I, why would we have right. like taken the time to come and do this if mm-hmm. if we were just going to cut you out that doesn't make any sense right. but it you know you hear about this it happens all the time it's just like i'm i'm not doing that it doesn't it's not right it doesn't feel fair and you're robbing the audience of of getting to know who these people are because it's them and their personalities that made this film as lovable as it is it wasn't just like one person that popped up and go look there you go here's this film isn't it amazing and these people kind of helped but you know film isn't like that it's, it's a it's, collaboration it's a huge collaboration it is yeah. it is and I agree with you I've interviewed a lot of people behind the scenes you know the, the editors and cinematographers and costume designers and makeup designers you know through the years because I think it's important um, to, because they make help make the movie they do the movie you know it's not always just the about everybody in front of the camera, but all those people behind the camera that actually do make things happen. And in this film, considering that we did not have the technology we do today, it just blew me away when you were talking to everyone about, you know, the the Stay Puff uh, Marshmallow Man and how that came about and, uh, you know, all of the different things, all the special effects that they created in the am- animatronics. How do you say that? Yeah, animatronics, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and how they did that and how they created created the monsters and the makeup that um, that Sigourney Weaver, you know, worked with her uh, makeup artist to create. So she had this otherworldly uh, persona in the film. I, it was just all fascinating. There, you know, e- each and every part of it. Each person you interviewed was truly fascinating. So let's talk about the Stay Puff. <laughs> Marshmallow Man, I guess that's what we're calling him, um, in the movie and how and how that all came about. I mean, because that that was pretty amazing. How they because you don't you know when you're watching a movie, you're not really thinking about how they put that together. How, well, maybe yeah. sometimes you are. Maybe some um, you as a filmmaker you would be, and I do too sometimes. But generally, we're there on the ride. We're watching the movie and we're not paying attention or thinking necessarily. Like, oh, how did they do that? Unless it's something really pretty amazing. But nowadays, with all of the technology we have, we all of us don't really well we all know how they did it it's a totally different world today but back then it wasn't so 
talk a little bit about that because I thought that was really fascinating. That's you know that's the thing. I remember Steve Johnson. I don't know if it was on camera, but he he sort of like said when he stepped out of the industry, it was because that sense of wonder and awe had gone because everyone was just like, oh, you've just done it in a computer. I remember a friend saying something about there was a they had a Star Trek advert over here for a power thing, which was years ago, and I was like, oh, it was amazing. He goes, it was just all done in the computer. It's like it is not. It's still models. It's just like really bothered you. It's like not that no. There's a lot of work that goes in computers, but you have something like Stay Puft. I always remember the what because I mean that that if you haven't sat there and thought about it, they've done their job because their yeah. whole job is to make sure you don't. Right. It's something like you think about it afterwards, but at the time you just need to be absorbed. And exactly. in the dock, I don't know if it's one of the scenes we had to cut about the no, it is it's like the seam. There's several suits where the seam where the wires were were in different places. So the so depending on where the camera was, mm. you'd never see the seam. Because I remember Diane saying to us, "If you see the seam, that's it. Yeah. Straight away, somebody's seen it, and they'll know it's a suit, and and you just completely destroy the effect." So it was always kind of hidden. And and even though there are little things now when you watch it and you watch it over and over, there's little things here and there that you can see, but it just disappears because you're just absorbed with, with you know, the shape of Marshmallow. I'm walking down Fifth Avenue, walking on Central Park West, which I never, like, I remember seeing it in the cinema. It's like, how on earth? The only way they did that is because he's actually there and they're filming him. So I, I didn't, I couldn't get my head around how, you think, how, could the, how could you fake that? So the chance to kind of go and ask all the people involved the, and the various stages and again it's not one person it's like several people coming in mm-hmm. and 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 trying and, and experimenting and I know Thane Morris sort of like said to us that, you know, these days people just expect you to know how to do something. Whereas like back then it wasn't a given. It was, mm-hmm. you were given the time to think it through and research it. And, and, you know, Billy's saying about it, they would actually set marshmallows on fire to see how it burns and how are they going to... So all of those little things, those fun things that you can do and you can play around and then you eventually get to the point where you're actually filming it. And then you're setting it on fire and that's a whole other kind of kettle of fish. So it was just, it was, everything is a journey. And then part of our job is to make sure that the stories that are being told are correct because everyone does remember things differently. There was a lot of disparity in the yeah, stories with the, the height, yeah. how tall Staples actually was. And and there was two people that said it differently but said it the same one used, I can't remember how they worded it now, it was like either in scales or in inches or in feet. And then Billy was like, it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm 5'8", and so Staples was this, and then you scaled it up by X amount of percentage, and that was the height of the Staples Marshmallow Man. Somebody said like it was 152 feet, and it wasn't. I think it was 120. And a half feet or something, and so, but there's me in the <laughs> in the lounge with the tape measure. It's like, okay, I'm there, and I'm like that. And if I'm doing that, yeah, no, that's not enough. That's I'm just trying all these things. Like, okay, that's it. So that that and that, and you piece it together, then you have the actual story. So and and Stay Puft is a hugely mm-hmm. iconic. It's it's incredible how much of that film is is is, is ingrained in popular culture now to the point where the new film, yeah. you know, Stay Puft, is still a big part of it, and it which is great, which is great for Billy. I hope he's getting some money for that, by the way. But, <laughs> Um, but it was just it was always just I just you know loved hearing that it's just it's you know film back then wasn't meant to kind of those things they did wasn't meant to last forever it was just like it's an effect you do it done in seconds and then it goes Mm. into the dumpster whereas now people are spending hundreds of thousands just to get a piece of mouldy bit of like latex which was once connected to a pterodog head or something (laughs) and yeah the stay puffs was was something else and the setting on fire thing you know different people actually doing that was just like I I didn't know that at all again you don't think about that you don't think that there's a real person in there I know getting on I mean, that's just how how clever it, 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 but that was it is, and the science. You yeah, know, it, like, and you that's know, a they, good word actually. Science. There is a science behind it, or isn't there? Because as much as 
you know, sometimes it's a case of let's throw a bit of this and throw a bit of that. You know, you know, slime is just a double exposure technique, basically. It's one of the oldest sort of like forms of visual effects. But, you know, but then there's this whole other thing kind of going on, the fire and, and what chemicals are used. And, and, and all of a sudden they're talking in a completely different language. It's like, and it's, you know, the trick is not to be intimidated by some of that. Because, you know, you watch the making of us back in the day with Spielberg and Lucas about Star Wars and Indiana Jones and things. And, thing, and there's absolutely no way on earth I could do anything like that. And then... And then we're sat in a room talking to these people. Yeah. And then yeah. But they just, they humanise it. Yeah. All of a sudden you realise you don't need to know that thing. They need to know right. that. Yeah. And that's why you employ them. And you hopefully have a great time exploring and inventing those things and, and going through ideas with them because that's the kind of people they are. They don't come in going, well, this is my way. And blah, blah, blah. Right. They, they're open yeah. to the to the experience and that, and that part of the journey. And that was... I, I, I think and I, I think, I think Richard Edlund's got to be, um, you know, attributed to oh, having yeah. that, that ethos and creating that... He, you know, he's at the top of the tree there and he's, you know, instilling this teamwork and ethic and this and also this kind of pioneering, you know, experimentation, you know, within the, the boundaries. I mean, you can't go mad. There's a budget to, to also be working to. But I think he allowed people the freedom to create. Yeah, exactly, you know? yeah. Which is what one regret is that I couldn't work on the actual film itself. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's you know, it, 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 again, it, it's the collaboration, and they were under a deadline too because when they yeah. got the go ahead to make this movie, it was less than just a little over a year, and they hadn't even written it. And I love the fact the history of how this idea came about with Dan Aykroyd. Um, and and you went to Lilydale. I've been to Lilydale many times, oh. and I, when I saw that, I went, oh my goodness you know i used to live in rochester new york and you lilydale's where you used to go <laughs> actually i had somebody draw my aura and it was a broadcast signal and we're talking about really? yeah yeah a long time we're talking back back in the 80s so that was a long time ago yeah that, and i never forgot that 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 was oh, my aura my yeah so what was it actually like a sweet it was all closed up when yeah. we went there it oh was, oh it's so much well, it's so interesting you know and i used to go in the winter time and you know it was snow and i think you showed that too i'm not sure but anyhow yeah, yeah it's oh, it's fascinating it's fascinating but i but I, I don't want to take you off because like one of the things i want to ask is how did you get all that archival footage did, where did that because that obviously they were filming it when they were you know they're filming the background of this movie as they're making the movie but how did you get access to all of that well, well Sony haven't found out it's missing yet so oh, oh. <laughs> we won't say a word <laughs> yeah, not a word not a word you know, our British sense of humour there I mean we, we have to thank people like Richard Edland uh, John Bruno Mark Brian Wilson Steve Johnson Steve Johnson uh, Stuart Ziff yes um yeah. Diana Hannum, they all contributed their personal archive and allowed us to use their material. We also had Derek Osborne, who is our motion graphics editor, who did a phenomenal job with all the, you know, texturising uh, the images and bringing that to life. Um, but he's also an archivist, the Ghostbusters archivist. So he, first of all, come on board as our archive producer. And uh, so he had a wealth of, of, you know, old scripts and call sheets. Wow. So all of those materials 
skills that we could we could you know use in in the documentary so we have a lot to thank him for as yeah, well don't amazing. we yeah. um, but we, we really have you know a lot to thank the the actual people that worked on the film for entrusting us with their with their archive yeah you, you know it's you're, you're very blessed you're very blessed this is yeah. a uh, it's truly is a brilliant film for I, I, immediately i wanted to go watch Bo- ghostbusters after watching this so <laughs> oh, it, fantastic. that's what you want <laughs> yes exactly um because you know, I wanted to go back and relook at it after I, I watched this documentary. Um, where can people uh, go see this film, and where? Yeah, where can they go see this film? Um, well, it's out in US cinemas the first of October, so that's tomorrow, and and then from Tuesday the fifth of October, it's available on VOD. The whole two hours and five ten minutes of it, yeah, yeah. across the various across platforms, the various platforms, platforms iTunes. Yeah, I yeah. highly recommend it. Cleaning up the town. Remember Remembering Ghostbusters, if you love Ghostbusters, even if you weren't a big fan or didn't even know about it, maybe you're uh, a younger generation, uh, please seek this out because you'll really learn a lot about the history of making movies and, and, and back in an era where we didn't have all the things, all the technology that we have today. So thank you both. I wish you much success. This is a great, great, great documentary. It was worth the 12 years. Thank you. Thank you. If you have missed any of the Jam Price shows all about movies, you can go to my website, thejampriceshow.com, or you can listen on your favorite podcast network. And we are on the iHeart Podcast Network, Apple, Google, Google, Spotify, we're everywhere. Actually, also go to our YouTube channel and subscribe uh, at the YouTube channel. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Jam Price Show. Thank you all for listening. Jam Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jam Price Show, all about movies.